Hey everyone. Um, I like how Lee came out last time, just like hands in the air. It got me, so I, I figured I'd roll into the same. Um, so my name's Peter Rentschler. I'm the CEO of CareDirect. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out, quick thank you to Craig, Arlen, Lisa, the whole FreightWaves team for putting on an amazing show. It's, it's incredible what they've accomplished over the last uh, couple years. We've been to every event, every time the stakes get higher. Uh, I also want to give a quick shout out, a quick thank you to everyone that's still here in the room. I know it's the end of the second day and you've seen uh, a lot of information. My objective is to help this be as informative and, and helpful of a session for you as possible. Um, so Carry Direct is a consulting firm entirely focused on the logistics and trucking sector. Um, we work with carriers, 3PLs, freight brokerages, shippers on everything from kind of their, their core business and management strategy to um, technology strategy and custom software development. Um, companies range in size from 20 to $30 million freight brokers and carriers, all the way up to companies like J.B. Hunt, Werner, FedEx, uh, Worldwide Express. Um, and so what I'd like to do today is, um, this is an, an open forum Q&A talking about technology strategy. And, you know, really what we've seen over the last 18 months is that, and, and I think that this conference is a testament to this, is that technology in the space has, has changed. It's transformed. And I think that the, one of the questions that we keep hearing is, what, how do we pick the right technology for us? I mean, there are dozens and dozens of amazing vendors and demos that we've seen. And the question becomes, really, like, how do we make selections? And so what I'd like to do today, um, there are some mics throughout the aisles. And so um, I'll be uh, opening this up for, for open Q&A. But I'll just start by answering that question of, like, how do you actually navigate the space? Um, so from our, our philosophy is that every, uh, no business strategy is complete without a sound technology strategy. And likewise, Technology decisions need to be driven based on business need and business vision. So when a customer comes to us and says, hey, I saw this really interesting technology, does it work for our business? Our first question is, well, what's, what's the vision for your business and where do you want it to be in three to five years? Um, and it, it really starts with defining what are the goals and objectives for your company, and then that needs to drive the technology decisions that you make. So with that being said, I want to see if there are any questions out in the audience. And it looks like someone's running up to the podium right now. Hello, uh, Michael Clements from PDQ America. We're hey, Michael. Freight, we're a freight brokerage uh, out of Northeast Texas. For, for a smaller freight brokerage wanting to get to that 20 to $30 million number, what is a good strategy for us to be looking at in our uh, really almost startup growth period? Oh, it's a great, it's a great question. Uh, and it was Michael, right? Yes. yes, Michael. Cool. All right, thanks, Michael. I appreciate the question. Um, you know, it's interesting. There are so many, there's so much tech. One, one of the benefits of all the new technology players in the space is that um, some, some lighter technology has come out that's been designed and targeted for smaller, for smaller businesses and startups like yours. Um, you know, historically, at one point, you'd have to go out and buy, like, a big monolithic TMS, a legacy TMS provider, um, to actually stand up your business. And so 
What our recommendation is for the smaller businesses is um, define really what your core workflow is for your business and then reach out and, and assess the different TMS and technology vendors and actually look at how their workflow relates to your workflow. So that would be part one. Part two would be make sure that whomever you work with can scale with your business and that they have a proven success um, and a track record of success for actually scaling with companies as they do. You also want to be really careful about the ability to access your data over time. Something that we've seen that's become kind of a trap for some of these technology players to get stickier with, company, with their customers and make it more difficult to move off of their platform is they, they hide somewhere in the contract that, that, you, that you actually don't have the right to export your data. I think it would be critical to make sure that whatever technology provider you choose makes it easy to pull your data out of the system because at some point you may outgrow their technology. Um, whether, that, whether you outgrow it to another platform or you outgrow it to something that's homegrown, um, the, uh, you're going to want to be able to pull your, your historical data out of that system. Um, and then I would say that the, the, last, the last thing that we believe is really important, and this applies to any technology decision, not just for, for small growing businesses, um, is you want to make sure that whatever vendor you choose plays well with other providers and makes it easy to use other technologies. Um, something that we see over and over again is that the legacy TMS providers have almost become, um, they've become gatekeepers to our customers' innovation because they're using a legacy technology or a legacy TMS that isn't enabled to integrate with the new technology out, out there. And so, as a result, you go see a great demo from one of the providers here. You go back to your vendor, to your current TMS provider, and ask them, hey, we'd like to integrate this, this new third-party component. And they say, oh, actually, we don't support that integration. Like, that will inhibit the growth of your business. And so I think it's critical to find a, a vendor that's also flexible and easy to integrate with. Thank you for the question. It's a great question. Thanks, Michael. Hi, uh, so my name's Eric, I'm with LoadSmart. You obviously see a lot of the different technology companies and the, the solutions that are offered in the industry. What are some of the more exciting things that you are seeing people doing and uh, solutions that are being built and offered? Yeah, it's a great, great question. Thanks, Eric. Um, I had, uh, there was a very specific request to not, um, to not like plant or promote specific brands, but what I will do is talk about some of the themes that we're seeing that are interesting that some of the more innovative uh, providers are doing. Um, there, I've, I've kind of touched on this a little bit over time, but um, one of the things that's, that's different about the technology world today and the third parties today from where it was a few years ago is that you're starting to see the prolification of, of micro, these, the concept of microservices. Um, where you have, instead of having to pick a single technology provider that does everything for you, I think one of the biggest innovations in this space is that you can have companies that are offering modular components that can fix a very specific portion of your workflow, process, or business. And so where, where we've actually seen the most innovation is not in the people who try to do everything, it's in the people that get really, really good at one little piece. We believe that the winners of the future are going to be the people who have technology capabilities and the ability 
to piece together these multiple um, products components into a cohesive solution that maps to their workflow. Um, you know, something, it's, it's really easy to get caught up in the buzzwords of AI and machine learning and kind of the future. Those are, those are absolutely important, and this is not me trying to kind of push those buzzwords aside. What I will say is that we see time and time again, the reality is most of the trucking companies in the space still run on AS400s. Um, and the ones that don't are, are running on maybe moderately better um, technology. The same thing applies to a lot of freight brokerages. They're running old technology, antiquated technology. And, and as a result, like, we really like to push that. I, I think Matt McClellan uh, from Covenant, who was speaking on innovation, made a really great point that innovation doesn't have to be a grand concept. It just has to be something that's impactful to your business. I mean, one of the most... Uh, for a customer, I can think of a very specific customer of ours where one of the most innovative um, technology developments that they made literally just took a track and trace employee's daily workflow from, you know, five hours down to 20 minutes. Like, that to me is incredibly innovative. Um, and, it, and, and it wasn't done through AI and machine learning and blockchain. It was done through a more efficient workflow that required less clicks. Question over here. Hi, Peter. Andy D.M. Kroger from Warner Enterprises. Um, my question is, well, there's a ton of uh, product demonstrations that have occurred over the last couple of days, a ton of innovation here. What's the biggest gap that you see that, that is still out there that's maybe being underinvested in, in, in transportation and logistics? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, thanks, Andy. Uh, What's the biggest gap that's being underutilized in this, or underinvested in, in this space? Um, I would say there are, there are a couple that there are a couple that come to mind. Um, we've had you know I've had conversations with a few of our with a few of our customers how no one has really done anything around compensation. I think that compensation is one of the areas where there's still a lot of opportunity for improvement in the space. Um, Freight brokerages and carriers specifically can have very complex, robust um, incentive programs for salespeople, for carrier reps, for track and trace employees, for dispatchers, fleet managers. Um, we've had, I, I can think of three specific customers that in the last six months have asked us specifically, do we know of anyone that does a really great job of, of handling and managing compensation? And, and our answer and our research has been no, and what we've seen is that um, it's still a largely very manual process at companies of all sizes. Um, and it gets more complicated when you start to look at players that have made, um, that have done M&A activity. So one company specifically about a $60 million revenue trucking company acquired a, a carrier with about 30 trucks. Um, their existing drivers are all paid on a rate per, on a per mile basis. The company that they acquired is paid on a percentage of revenue basis. The drivers are. And so they've had to run through, they've built this entire ridiculous Excel model to be able to manage the different compensation programs. And it does seem like an area where there's still a lot of opportunity. Uh, next question. Yeah, Robert Bain with uh, Quad Express. Uh, so you talk about technology strategy. Do you see this more as a checklist, or is this something that really becomes like a cultural value uh, and kind of a two-parter question here? So uh, if it's the latter, is it constantly moving forward, and how do you keep it moving forward? But if it's the former, is this checklist truly ever done? 
Yeah, it's a good question. Thanks, Robert. Um, so, so on the first question of like, is, is technology strategy a checklist? Um, you know, prior to joining CareDirect, uh, I worked at one of the large one of the large strategy consulting firms, and uh, one of the things that I saw firsthand was that the businesses where the CIO um, or whomever owned technology was a C-suite, a C-level executive, um, who also had an equal seat at the table, made, um, made significantly more progress than those where the CIO reported to, say, the CFO or the COO. Um, I fundamentally believe that, that technology strategy needs to be a capability of the business as a whole. Um, I, think that, I think that to look at it as a checklist item, is the equivalent of saying, hey, we're going to go out and buy 100 trucks, and we're going to run them for 30, 30 million miles. And just continually, it, it becomes something that you set once and never reevaluate. Um, so then, to your second question of how does it, if it becomes kind of a, a capability, how do you actually evolve it and keep it moving forward? I think that events, I think that attending events like this uh, makes a, uh, can, can really help open up the eyes and give visibility into what products exist out in the market. Um, I think that that's one. I also think that having a really intentional focus on, on the long-term technology strategy. Um, this, is, this goes back to, you know, our, if, if you're doing an annual goal, an annual goal-setting process where you're looking at your long-term business goals and then what are the goals or the objectives for the next year, um, at the same time, you should be having technology conversations. And you should, be, you should be looking at not only your core technology product or projects, um, but also what are the ancillary technology bets that you want to make that year, and how are you going to test those out? Next question. This is, this is Kunal Devedi with Zaro Transportation. Um, so since technology is only valuable when it's utilized, what is your approach to implementation after we make a selection for technology? I love that question. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm really passionate about this because, you know, I, I think S Salesforce is a great example of a product where they've been pretty clearly established as the category king of CRM, and yet we've gone into a number of businesses where they love, where they love Salesforce, and we've gone into a number where they absolutely hate Salesforce. Without fail, every single time, the people that hate Salesforce, we ask them, what did they do to actually implement the product? Well... You know, we, we, we signed up for the licenses, we did a couple trainings, and people didn't like it. Well, of course they didn't like it. Salesforce is designed to be configurable to match any sales process, but out of the box, it just matches the default Salesforce recommended pro process. Um, so from our perspective, there are four, um, four keys to success for um, technology adoption. Um, part one is actually making sure that you're being intentional about the technology that you're acquiring and that you're not being sold a shiny object, that you're actually buying something that, that meets your needs and the needs of your business. Part two is being intentional about the configuration and implementation, whether that's hiring a partner or doing it yourself. We're big believers in, in, in the value of some outside support in terms of actually configuring a new technology um, to make sure that it matches your process. Um, Third, the third key to success is around um, 
tra effectively training on the product. And when I say training, that's not a one-hour demo. That is, I mean, when we've, helped, when we've helped folks run training on a new on a new piece of technology, we will literally have them disconnect all of, disconnect 10 to 20 machines from across the floor, put them into their largest conference room, and run interactive one to five day training, training programs. It's, it's expensive, it takes a lot of time, you pull people off the floor, but what's the cost of giving someone a new piece of technology and, and, and having them kind of fumble around with it? Uh, and then the, the fourth key to success is actually maintaining that technology. What we see over and over again is people don't, they don't follow upgrades. They don't stay up to date on the upgrade, on the upgrade schedule. They don't, um, they don't uh, provision enough resources to actually support the maintenance of the technology. And then a couple years down the line, all of a sudden, like the, the product's so far out of date that, um, that there's a huge lift to actually do an upgrade. Great question, thank you. Next question. Hey, hey Peter, uh, this is JP from FreightWaves. Um, I had a question about freight brokerage technology. As freight brokerages grow, they often sort of outgrow whatever software they happen to be using. They have to make decisions about whether to pay for customization or build their own solution or you know, um, buy some kind of outside vendor. Can you talk a little bit about a typical timeline you see as freight brokerages go, where they have to kind of make additions and where those sort of bottlenecks pop up at? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. So, um, you know, for, like first of all, I'll kind of address the component around like buy versus build. We've, we've done a number of engagements where, where folks will hire us to come in assess their business process, and then look at what's out on the market and give them a buy versus build recommendation. Hey, is this something that we can go out and buy in the market, or do we need to build it ourselves? Um, we're big believers in, in buying non-differentiating technology and building the differentiating technology, assuming that, that it exists on the market. Um, now, in terms of the actual timelines to do these things, you know, there's a... There's an interesting, like our philosophy is that technology is never done. And I've touched on this a, a couple points. Like technology isn't something that you buy once, implement, and never touch again. It should be an ongoing iterative process that's constantly improving. Um, you know, the, I would say that the timeline to do like a, a software assessment and selection um, can be anywhere from, I'd say probably Six, uh, six to 12 weeks um, by the time to actually do the assessment and the um, and kind of like run through demos and, and then actually getting into the RFP process. And then once you've actually selected a vendor and you have contracts in place, um, from there, you know, implementation timeline varies greatly on how big the business is. You know, if it's a $50 million freight brokerage versus a billion dollar carrier. Um, I would say that the implementation timeline can be anywhere from, from three months to uh, 12 months if it's an off-the-shelf um, system, again, depending on how many people it touches uh, and, and how complex the integrations and configurations are. On the custom development side, you know, again, it really depends on the scope of the business. I mean, 
There are people who have, who have built products. We've seen, we've seen folks build products in two months that have a huge impact on the business. If you're doing a whole replatform, um, it, could, it could be a couple of years. Um, that's also where how much tech debt there is. Are you, are you migrating off of an old AS400 or is this a, new, a net new business that you're building technology for? It can also be a big factor. Um, so I'm actually, I'm out of time. Uh, again, really want to say thank you to everyone. Thank you to everyone who asked questions. Thank you to y'all for actually for sticking around and um, have a nice night. Thank you.